Welcome to another episode of the CTO to CTO podcast. Next.js has pretty much become a standard framework for React applications. Wondering how this happened? In today's Pioneers episode, we speak to Tim Neutkens, the very young yet accomplished Next.js lead and co-author. Among some of the topics Piotr and Tim discuss are how adopting this framework impacted the hosting platform adoption and vice versa. Also, how they managed to build a community around Next.js and what cooperation with Google Chrome and Facebook's React team actually looks like. Let's begin. Hello everyone, in today's interview we are going to talk about the front-end frameworks, Jamstack and open source. I couldn't have a better guest than Tim Neutkens, a lead engineer of the Next.js framework. The framework that grew alongside the Jamstack became the de facto standard for React-based applications. Hi Tim, thank you for accepting my invitation. Hey, thanks for having me. How you joined the Next.js team? So I... Find out about Next.js uh, shortly after mm-hmm. it was released because it was part of the, the for sale community back then. Um, I had been contributing to Hyper, which is this um, terminal built on yeah. web technologies, so on Electron, HTML, CSS, uh, and React actually, uh, React and Redux. Um, and I'd been contributing to that, and then uh, for sale announced Next.js. And at the time, I was working mostly on like PHP mm-hmm. websites, uh, mostly in Magento, actually. Um, so mostly e-commerce. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I worked at this agency that, that built a lot of uh, Magento sites in the Netherlands. Um, and I, I found out about Next.js, and I found it pretty interesting. So I started contributing to that as well, uh, next to uh, contributing to Hyper. And... Um, I, I basically kept contributing to it in my free time because uh, I was still working at this agency, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I did that for about a year or so, um, and eventually, like after a few months of contributing, um, Guillermo, the CEO for Cell, reached out to me and said, like, "Hey, like, would you be interested in uh, joining yeah. uh, for Cell to to work on Next.js and some other things uh, inside of the company?" So it's like, "Yes, yeah, sure, I'll." like let's talk about it uh so they they flew me out to san francisco um to basically attend the, the first uh first uh, conference back then um mm-hmm. and uh i got to meet the team and all that uh, eventually decided to to not go for it at the time uh i was 19 oh. i believe um which might sound crazy but i wasn't ready for it yet yeah uh, back then um and when was it, uh, team? How long ago it was uh, when when you got this offer? Yeah, so this was three years ago. Um, well, mm-hmm. three and a half years ago or so, like um, April of 2017 or so. Um, yeah. So uh, so I basically declined the offer, uh, which which still might sound crazy. Um, but then after a few months of like considering more and more to to Next.js in my free time, uh, so it's basically like. Mm-hmm. Working full time at this agency, and then also, um, I I basically kept contributing to Next.js in my free time. Like besides that, like almost forty hours per week as well, because I was just super Whoa. into it. Um, yeah. So I I kept doing like good first issues, helping out the community, like all that stuff. Um, 
And it, it was just a really good way for me to like learn about JavaScript, um, like Node.js stuff, like all the things that we didn't do at work because we were mostly a PHP shop. Like I, I learned in my free time. Um, so yeah, then after a few months, I was like, yeah, maybe I should still entertain that offer that Sharma um, made me. Um, so I reached out and was like, hey, like if you still want to, like I would potentially like be interested still. Um, gotcha. And yeah. this is like super open ended, right? Like because I didn't know like what the situation with hiring and everything was at the time. Uh, and then, uh, Kishan reached, uh, back out to me and he was like, yeah, um, if you'd be interested, um, we, we can probably work something out. Um, and that's basically when I decided to, to join Vercel, um, to, to work on XJS. Um, so there was basically like one full time, uh, contributor at the time. And then like we were two. Um, and then this other full-time contributor, uh, Arenoda went on mm-hmm. to work yeah. on other things, um, inside of Vercel. Uh, and then I, I basically, um, like started working on uh, Next.js full-time, uh, at the end of 2017. Yeah. That, that's amazing. So you started your career really early. Like you, you said that you got this offer three years ago, you were 19 years old and already used to work at this agency. So does it mean you started your career at the age of 16? So I, I was very fortunate because I was doing a, uh, an, like a practical education pretty much. Um, so like there's in the Netherlands, like you have this system where, uh, there's multiple levels of education and then you can work yourself like towards the mm-hmm. higher education, basically. So I was doing this, uh, this yeah. practical education part that is before doing a bachelor, basically. So it's either two or four years. Uh, and then like you go to do a bachelor, for example. Uh, so like I could go into like software engineering or something like that. Uh, but what happened yeah. was in my, uh, last year of, of this education, I basically got to do an internship. And I, uh, yeah. by accident, ended up at this agency um, that built like PHP websites. Like I said, um, they were they were getting into like building like WordPress sites, um, doing custom PHP stuff. Like that's what they they were really big at. And they also did a lot of Magento websites. Um, awesome. So uh, I was very fortunate. Like they offered me uh, to to do an internship there for something that I wasn't actually like going to school for per se so i wasn't doing a programming education um but i still got to do programming there so um so i started there after a few months um basically the the ceo of the company uh like he came up to my desk he was like hey can you like uh go into this uh uh, meeting room with me and uh, i thought like Either I did something wrong or something is like going well. <laughs> so I like I walked into the room and he was like, "Yeah, you're doing super well." Um, like all the the other people there, even the senior developers, were like, "Yeah, we need to hire this this person." Um, and uh, he was basically like, "If you want to think about it, we'd like to hire you if you graduate from uh, the education that you're doing." Uh, so I basically got the choice back then, like. Either I go to do a bachelor in uh, computer science, yep. 
or I go to work and I get a lot of practical experience and uh, like keep developing my skills in that way. Um, so eventually I decided to take the job. Um, so I joined the, the team like full time. I was already doing a full time internship, but I, I joined the team full time as an employee. Um, yeah. I, I think in 2015 or so. Um, so I was 18 at the time. Um, and then, uh, basically they, um, yeah, they, they kept giving me work that helped me, um, like develop my, my own skills. Like I, I basically went from like doing WordPress websites, uh, like building out those for smaller customers to like building some of the largest e-commerce websites of the Netherlands. Um, and also Europe actually. Um, so, so yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was mostly like then, back then I was doing mostly Magento sites. Uh, and then like eventually I, I rolled into like open source, Node.js stuff. Yeah. Uh, that got me hired at for sale. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds, sounds really cool. Um, let's talk about the, um, Vercel and Next.js. Um, how about, how about the core team working with you, uh, on the, uh, on the, on the framework? Can you say, say more on this? You said that there were two other person working at the core team when you joined, right? Yeah. So when I joined, uh, like for cell itself was really like a very small team. I believe there was only like 10 or 12 people or so. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, there was like one person working on, on access full time. Um, and then, uh, like there, there were a bunch of other people working on the, the platform, uh, for sale platform and all that. Um, what was first, uh, team, uh, the platform, the serverless hosting platform or, or the framework? Yeah. So we went through, uh, like some iterations of the platform. So in, uh, mm -hmm. like for sale was started in 2015. Uh, like the first we started with doing, uh, Docker hosting. Then, uh, yeah. like basically just hosting containers, like you give us your code, we host it, that's it. Um, yeah. Then we went into like doing serverless Docker, which was basically like we boot up the containers like just in time and then like we, we tried to run your code as fast as possible. Um, and that brings a lot of like different issues, of course, because, uh, you have cold boot, scalability, um, like you need to scale out these containers for your customers, uh, yeah. customers wanting to run, uh, workloads like indefinitely. So like keeping their containers around, uh, forever, uh, and all that. So in 2018, we announced the new iteration of the platform, which was completely serverless. Uh, what this mm -hmm. basically meant is that, um, you, you, you host serverless functions and stakely generated files and the Vercel platform automatically hosts those and, uh, generates the right files for you. So you don't, you don't even have to think about it, like, okay, I'm building a serverless application. You're just building a Next.js application or a, uh, like Gatsby or Next application. And then the platform basically automatically transforms the output of those frameworks into serverless functions, static files, host yeah. them on the CDN and all that. Um, so the, the platform was first, but to build out the platform, you need to have a dashboard. So in 
2016, basically, uh, Guillermo and, uh, Nayuki, uh, the, the founders of Shell, um, they basically wanted to build a, a dashboard that was highly interactive. Uh, so they started mm-hmm. to build this framework called N4 back then, uh, which was like this. Come. Uh, it was sort of like Next.js, but not exactly like that outcome yet. Uh, it didn't use React. It, it was using some custom templating language. Um, and you, you had to write a lot of boilerplate code, basically. So, mm-hmm. like, there were a few iterations of that, uh, where they, like, built out this, this framework that looked a lot like Next.js, but wasn't really there yet. Um, and then eventually, yeah. uh, Kishermo decided to take this bet on trying to use React for, uh, that framework. Mm-hmm. So, they replaced the custom templating language with React and React components and really built around, uh, like that concept where you have a pages directory and every file inside of a page directory is a separate route. So it's almost like PHP, yeah. uh, which also why, which is also why, I, why it affected me, uh, cause I was doing a lot of PHP development, uh, back then. Um, so it's really easy to reason about. Like you create a pages directory. You put in index.js, you export a React component, and you're off to go, basically. So that was basically uh, the reason why they created Next. Like, it was basically the internal Mm -hmm. framework that they used to build the dashboard of the Vercel platform. Gotcha, yeah. And it it basically evolved from that. So um, it was taking sort of like this, like an approach similar to what Create React Hub did at the time. But it was more so, uh, framework focus. Like there was no eject function. Like you just had these like good defaults to get started. Yes. And then, uh, like it was built, like everything was built on top of that. Um, so yeah, so that's. Yeah, that, that was, that was very interesting. Uh, thank you for, for this explanation. Uh, and maybe let's switch back to this question about the courting for a, a little while because we, uh, we got off, off road, uh, a little bit. Um, it'd be great to hear on your colleagues. Yeah, definitely. So in, uh, like last year, uh, beginning of last year, we, we decided to grow out the team, uh, that works on XGS full time. So we hired, uh, four more people to work on it full time. So my team right now is, is five people that work on XGS full time, mm-hmm. like managing the community. Uh, triaging issues, uh, uh, creating pull requests, uh, merging pull requests, all that. Um, so like my team handles the, the full like Next.js repository. So we manage the whole thing. Yeah. Um, we fix bugs, we create new features, we write RFCs, all that. Um, so yeah, that's currently four people, uh, besides myself. Um, and then, uh, we, yeah, so basically, like, we, we manage the, the end-to-end experience. So, like, it's most likely that if you create an issue on, on the Nexus repo, like, you'll talk to one of, uh, the people on my team or, uh, myself. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we try to interact as much as we can with the community. Like, I also tend to, like, reach out to people, talk to them, like, find out their, um, like, the issues that they ran into, uh, like, yeah. bugs they have that they haven't reported, um, and we try to make that experience as, as good as possible, basically. Gotcha. That's, that sounds amazing. Um, 
So actually you have uh, two core products at Vercel. Uh, one is the hosting platform, second is the framework. Um, how much it helped for Next.js to have this out-of-the-box deployment in Vercel and vice versa, actually? Um, I mean, hybrid pages, image optimization, and super simple serverless functions are big selling points for Next.js. And that wouldn't be that simple to configure on different platforms without having the, uh, the Vercel hosting. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, like, even looking back at, at what I was uh, explaining, like, we went from Docker containers to fully serverless hosting. Uh, and there's a big, uh, like, gap between those, right? Like, you have to think about all these different constraints, like, uh, there is cold mm-hmm. boot if you use serverless, uh, but also when you're using containers, but it's slightly different. Uh, scalability is automated in serverless environments, uh, and all that. And basically, like, when Nexus was created, it was just a simple node server. Like, you run Next yeah. Start, it boots up this node server. You could compare that to Express. It's actually not using Express, but like, sort of like that. Like, you have to run the script, node server boots up, and then the node server is hosted on localhost 3000. And people can request that, right? And then, like in your serverless yeah. or uh, or in your Docker container, I mean, um, you just uh, forward like port eighty to port three thousand, and you're done. Um, then you still have to scale it out manually, right? Like you have to create more containers, do load balancing, all that, uh, which is yeah. fairly complicated, to be honest. Um, but yeah. it's definitely doable. It's also still how many people host their Nexus applications. Um, but we also wanted to like basically evolve this towards a, a better solution, right? So mm-hmm. we we basically set out to uh, like to evolve. When we started evolving the platform, we realized that we also had to evolve Next with it because uh, at the time Next was just that node server and it couldn't host uh, like things in the serverless environment, for example. So that's when we introduced this serverless target that allows you to like export the application into like sort of like Lambda function wrappers that yep. uh, are not AWS Lambdas per se, but like it's this interoperability layer that just takes in requests and response from Node.js and it it answers the request there if you, you call it basically. So like Nexus evolved with the platform. But also the platform evolved with Next.js. So when we started introducing more and more features, like, for example, automatic yep. static optimization, which allowed pages that don't have blocking data fetching requirements to be statically generated automatically, that is what we need to, needed to evolve the platform as well, because we wanted to statically host those uh, files as well. Like, we wanted to serve those from a CDN. Like, if you request like the Vercel homepage, which doesn't have blocking data fetching requirements, it should come from a region close to you. Like for me, that would be Amsterdam, for example, right? Yeah. So that was one of the things that we wanted to to handle as well, like on the platform. So the platform evolved with Next.js. Um, and then even more so when like earlier this year, we introduced two new data fetching uh, methods, one for blocking data requirements, which is, get server-side props. So that means every time you do a request, you get a specifically rendered version of the page for that user because it generates Mm -hmm. it on demand every time. 
This is a lot like how PHP yep. works, right? Like you do a request, yep. you get a response back, and it's always like unique to that user. Uh, but we also want to do static generation. So we also introduced get static props. And with get static props, mm-hmm. you can do data fetching at build time or at request time and then cache it automatically. And that's what, uh, we introduced like in, uh, April, I believe, uh, from Top of Mind to Next.js 9.3. And it allowed us to create this hybrid model for a Next.js application where you can have static pages. You can have automatic static optimized pages. So that would be like a home page that doesn't, yeah. doesn't have any data fetching requirements. And then you could also do service rendering still. Uh, and then you can combine all of these in the same application. So that means that your homepage could be automatic static optimization. Your blog could be fed in from a, uh, like data source like a CMS, for example. Uh, but still statically generated, uh, using get static props. And then your dashboards that are highly interactive, uh, could be either, uh, client side rendered or server side rendered based on what you, like what your preference is for the application. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, let me paraphrase what you, what you just, uh, described. So actually, um, having the platform, uh, help you a lot, especially in the, uh, let's say early days. Uh, putting Node.js uh, on production isn't an easy thing, and I know what I'm saying. <laughs> After a few stuff, from we, we, we were getting you know, a lot of inquiries just about that. Uh, serverless and, and, and especially Vercel changed uh, change it a lot. I remember when I first used it, uh, just using you know, the now comment in CLI was like a magic. It just worked. Uh, it was so awesome. Um, but now you are also hand, handling a lot of different um, use cases. Uh, actually, from what you said, most of the cases you can imagine, statically generated pages, dynamically generated pages, uh, and, and hybrids. So that's, that's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, I'm just wondering if you have any stats, how many people are using Vercel, uh, sorry, are using Next without Vercel? Uh, there's quite a quite a lot of people that are, don't use for sale when hosting Next.js. Um, this is especially like with larger companies uh, that have certain requirements or they have the, or their internal DevOps team and all that. Gotcha. So like an example of that is... Uh, they host it on, on their own. Yeah. yeah, like they could even have, like they could be so big that they have their own data centers, right? So then they yeah. uh, like host their own uh, like Next.js instances on that data center. Um like uh, an example of like self-hosted Next.js could be like Lyft, for example. Um, but also like we, we see a lot of like really large Next.js applications like Alexa Top 100, uh, where they are yeah. really like the largest sites on the internet, like Twitch, for example, or um, QQ, which is the, the largest news site in China. Um yeah. Like in in the Alexa ranking, like QQ is like crazy high. It's like above uh, like Instagram and all that. Um, oh, so it's, it's like in the top ten somewhere. Uh, I believe in yeah. like the fifth place or so. Um, and they're using Next.js in production, like scaled out to to literally millions and millions and millions of users. Um, so definitely, like self-hosting Next.js is definitely possible. Um, and then we also see like 
really large uh, companies like Barstool Sports um, or HashiCorp that use uh, mm-hmm. Next.js in production on Vercel as well. So, like, they do massive amounts of traffic, um, and uh, that, that works out fine as well. Like, you, you can definitely host, like, your total production website on Vercel. Yeah. That, that's really awesome. Uh, what, what is the, the coolest feature you are most excited about in Next.js? So right now, I like this year, we spend a lot of time on making static site generation uh, like really good, like the, the same level as any other static site generator, but also providing more features than you would generally get from a static site generator because we uh, yep. can own the end-to-end of... Like we, we generate the pages, but we could also enhance them client side. Um, we can give you things that like generally if you're statically generating, like fully statically generated, um, is not as ideal as you, as it could be. Cause, uh, for example, if you're using a CMS to statically generate pages, you want your editors mm-hmm. to still be able to see the changes they make inside of the website without having to, redeploy everything right mm-hmm. so we introduced this thing called preview mode where you can basically say like okay like set this cookie through nexus api routes and then you basically like those editors that go to this specific like route to get the cookie can bypass the stack generation and just get a like immediately rendered uh immediately server set rendered page that does the static yep. uh, data fetching basically for you. So what that means yep. is you can see, gotcha. like if an editor goes to a like headless CMS or like any CMS really, and clicks on preview this page, they go to this API route and then automatically end up on the page they wanted to preview with the content they changed without having mm-hmm. all other users go to this like changed content basically. So that is one part of it. Gotcha. And then the other part is like, how can we prevent people from doing a full rebuild when they, like when this editor like actually says like, okay, like I made a typo. I removed like one character from the page. Now I click save. What is going to happen? Like I have to rebuild the whole application. Like that takes maybe like five minutes. Uh, and yeah, it could also be a critical change that you have to make in some article, right? So. We introduced this incremental static generation approach where if you like make this change, it's going to propagate into the application without having to do a full rebuild. It's somehow integrated with the tools like CMSs that, that they are telling you know, the system what change or how does it work? So it uses the still while revalidate approach. Uh, and if you're not familiar with this, it's a uh, mm-hmm. RFC um, that basically allows a page to be regenerated in the background without having other users hit a still page or like actually hitting the server directly immediately. So mm-hmm. what that means is like generally if you're doing like a caching strategy and you uh, like have the service that rendered content cached, it's going to uh, be cached, but at some point it expires, right? And then when it expires, yeah. you actually, like, if there's thousands of people going to a, a certain page, 
it would actually like block on all those thousand people uh being uh like service rendered on demand. Yeah. Um and you obviously don't want that in general because it would then like hammer your database, it would hammer your application, um you might have availability issues and all that. So what Silver Validate helps with is basically saying, okay, like I say uh every second this page needs to be regenerated. So it's always up to date, sort of. Um, and then when a user comes in, they get a still version of the page back. So the, the cached version that was gotcha. previously there. And then the, like in the background, the server will regenerate the page and replace the cached entry. So what that means is mm-hmm. the end user will always get a cached version of the page. Uh, but you can still do regeneration in the background. And that's what Next.js allows you to do by just setting like one property and you don't have to like learn about, uh, like HTTP caching primitives and like figuring out which, uh, values are the correct ones. Uh, so inside of, of Next.js, that's just setting a property called revalidate and setting it to a timeout value. So that's either like one second or a minute or like even longer if you want to. And then once a, uh, user comes in after that timeout is uh, exceeded, it will regenerate in the background and then the new page will be served to all users that come in after that one user. Gotcha. Really interesting feature. I uh, really love it. Um, I guess Next.js uh, was an essential part of the uh, growing Gemstack movement. Uh, what, would you just, what you just said is very related to Jamstack um, because Jamstack is all about you know JavaScript API uh, markup. Most of the time, statically generated it's almost like synonym for that. Um, so I, I use a word pioneering when we were talking previously, but you said you were not pioneering the Jamstack actually, but more like growing uh, along it um, at the same time. Um, Maybe let's start with the question why Gemstack is a game changer, why it's so important. Yeah, for sure. So um, basically, like when I said that, what I meant is the uh, Nexus ecosystem is much larger than just Gemstack. So uh, it covers like most of the Gemstack use cases, uh, pretty much all of them, actually. Yeah. And, uh, it's really good at like handling that, but you can also go further than that. So if your application grows or like you, you don't want to statically generate certain pages because, uh, they, they have like highly dynamic content now or something like that. If you're doing like plain gem stack, uh, like statically generating content from an API, doing the export every time, yeah. uh, that could be an issue, right? Cause you can't go from like, I have a static site generator to I'm going to render server-side as well. Uh, so what Next.js allows you to do is really take this hybrid approach where a certain page can be static and a certain page can be server-side-rendered dynamic, uh, dynamically generated yep. for every user. Uh, and then also still cached, because like you still can do that. Um, so really, like what we see is that a lot of uh, these cases where you want to use Gemstack, which is like marketing pages, uh, blogs, all that, uh, documentation websites is a good example as well, um, are really, like, they really require static generation because you don't want to do server rendering on demand and then caching it for 
like if you know these permutations of pages are already there and can be generated fairly uh, fast, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's why um, you can basically like take an access application and like if it starts to grow to towards more like different use cases, you can still keep using Next.js. And that's uh, a really like important thing uh, to keep in mind. Because uh, what it means is that you don't have to change stacks or change uh, approaches or anything like that. It's still the same programming That's model, uh, still yeah. like the same React components. Like you can reuse everything uh, across like these different pages. So like you have certain like GenStack approach pages, and then also like server-side rendered pages if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Um, and actually, I, I, I'm also wondering if uh, this was the uh, the reason for uh, Next.js popu popularity. I mean, you said uh, that um, Next is covering a lot more cases than just Gemstack. Uh, totally agree with this. Uh, I would even say that for uh, server-side rendered applications, React applications, and for universal applications, uh, it became uh, a production standard. Um, what was this key for for success? Like uh, this this this, this uh, feature you said that you have still the same React application and just you know deploy it different way, or maybe you see it differently. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. I should note that like most of these like hybrid uh, approaches were introduced like really the hybrid application approach was introduced sort of last year when we introduced automatic static optimization, which meant you can mm -hmm. statically generate certain pages that don't have blocking data requirements. So this was the first yep. step towards like this hybrid approach. Uh, so that was like one and a half years ago. Um, but even before that, we already saw Nexus grow like pretty tremendously year over year every time because uh, of just the server side rendering approach and, and all that like really resonated with the community yeah. as well. So we already saw people build like massive applications using server side rendering. Uh, and that's great. Like it, it works out fine for, uh, for those cases. Uh, but we also saw a lot of applications being built in like a way that could be statically generated, right? Like we saw people's yep. personal websites uh, being deployed and then like we, we checked their uh, like responses and we noticed that like every time you go to this page, like someone's personal website that is like fully static content, uh, we would see them get a cache miss from a CDN, for example. Mm -hmm. And that's really like not needed, right? Like the, that HTML could have been generated at build time. So basically, we started out and we introduced automatic static optimization for the cases where we always know the content is not going to change based on uh, like the the input that you give, right? Um, yeah. So that was the first step, and then the second step was uh, earlier this year we introduced those two new data fetching methods: get static props, get server side props, to really take it to that next level of okay. I'm going to statically generate things now, but they're also blocking in a way that like it has to block at build time or on demand yeah. for generating certain uh, requests, basically. Um, so yeah, that's really like the approach that we took. Uh, that also resonated really well because for that automatic static optimization, for example, you didn't have to change your application. Like all you had to do was upgrade next 
and then you've got certain yep. pages to be statically generated suddenly. And you don't even have to know about it per se. Um, obviously, like we uh, announced it and like wrote documentation for it and all that. But even if you're not aware of it per se, it, it would be there and it would be like having your back almost. Like, okay, like yeah. we know this page can be statically generated, so we'll statically generate it for you because uh, then it can be served gotcha. from the CDN or something like that. Gotcha. I really, I really like this uh, attitude you guys have because I think that this attitude can be summarized like you are making the developer's life easier, uh, but by just you know taking over uh, the things that are not necessarily you know core developers' uh, tasks like deployments, like caching, static page generation, so the guys um, can just focus on on actually building the software. I think this is really key to success here, as I may put it, and I, I really like it. Um, if, if we are uh, if we are talking about the popularity and the success, uh, the, the very important part of it is also the community. Um, who are they, and how they contribute to the project? Yeah, so we have a pretty large community. Uh, they like basically exist in GitHub discussions, which is this new. Uh, get a feature that, uh, is still being developed, but we got very early access and we worked with the GitHub team to really, uh, like give our feedback on like how it should look, uh, basically. Uh, cause gotcha. we, yeah. we have a really large community. Uh, recently I learned that like we're in the, the top 10 of like most active communities on GitHub. Um, so, amazing. so basically really what, uh, we do is like we we have this get up discussions where people can ask questions uh like i don't know like for example like i'm stuck on this issue like can someone help me something like that um and then that's not even like bugs inside of next that's it's bugs inside of like their application or uh like some feature that they want to build or something like that uh, and then other people come in and they they're actually like okay like i can help you or uh, like maybe you can approach it this way or this way, uh, almost like in Stack Overflow type uh, fashion. Um, gotcha. So they are mostly mostly users stacking on some issues, but the cool thing is that they are cooperating uh, be between peers, um, which is really great, really active community. Yeah, exactly. So uh, and then we also have obviously like people creating uh, bugs and feature requests and all that. Like this is still there. Um, so that's really like super active as well um we have like a good first issues label so if you want to contribute to to next.js you can go to that label and figure out like a lot of these issues are like very like relatively easy to implement or investigate or something like that uh it's also how i started contributing to next as well um and like those are also being tackled by community members or like other people coming in and being like, hey, I want to start contributing to open source. Like, okay, I'll, gotcha. I'll create yeah. a, a pull request for this. Um, so that's really good. Then we also have this examples directory. So you basically have the, the Nexus core files, which is like the, the actual framework. And then we also have documentation, tests, um, so integration tests. Like we mostly do integration tests uh, for Nexus. Um, and then we also have examples and examples are basically this directory with over 200 different examples of how to integrate Next.js with some other technology. So 
if you want to use mm-hmm. Next.js with styled components, or uh, you want to use Next.js with GraphQL, or uh, if you want to use Next.js with uh, some other technology that uh, you're you're using inside of your application, you can figure out like the the exact requirements needed to to implement that inside of an Next.js application through the examples directory. Gotcha. Uh, so the entrance barrier is is um, pretty low. Um, I guess that working with you know, such a massive community is a challenge, and you already mentioned that actually the whole core team is uh, is um, in, in in charge of that. Uh, how you how you manage the, the the community work on daily basis? Yeah, definitely. So uh, because we have a really large community, we also get Tons of GitHub notifications. So like, uh, like sometimes there's over 150 or 200 or so, uh, per day. Mm-hmm. So it is literally like, yeah. you go to bed and you wake up and there's like 150 <laughs> notifications waiting for you. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Basically like that. Um, this goes from GitHub discussions and, uh, like people creating bugs, people creating feature requests and all that. So, um, like there's a lot of people because there's like the community is really large. There's also a lot of people asking questions. So like about half of all the notifications are GitHub discussions, and then the other half yep. is people creating uh, issues or commenting on issues or uh, creating feature requests. Right. Um, yeah. So what we do is we go through these notifications every day. So me and uh, someone else on the team, uh, and we. Uh, basically, like to see, like, okay, this is important. This is not important to look at yeah. right now, basically. And then when there's an issue, for example, uh, we check if the, um, like the, the issue template has been, uh, followed because sometimes people create issues and then they forget to include a reproduction, for example, yeah. or they, uh, try out the whole issue template, uh, which also happens. Uh, and then, like, if those, like the issue template is thrown out, we convert those into help discussions because mm-hmm. uh, generally that, that doesn't have enough information for us to like go in and help the the person that creates that issue because they Absolutely, basically yeah. didn't provide the information we need for the issue template. Um, and then if it does have a uh, like if the the full issue template is like filled out and everything, uh, we uh, triage the issue so we. I just say like, okay, this is a bug or a story. Uh, if it's a bug, we, we mark it as like kind bug as a, like we label them and then we throw them into a iteration. So it's like our sprints basically, which is a milestone on yeah. GitHub. So that also allows the community to see like what we're working on, what is coming up next. Uh, no pun intended. And so, so yeah. it's, it's 100% managed to GitHub, the, the whole project and community, right? Yeah, so we, uh, we, we do this interesting thing where we sync the GitHub issues based on the labels yeah. to our internal project management system, uh, which is called yeah. Clubhouse. Um, and then the, basically like if you like, cause GitHub doesn't really have Kanban boards for, um, for issues and for, for all that. Uh, they do have projects, but projects is not. Yeah as developed as uh, it could be. So like we have this other mm-hmm. uh, project, project management system, but really like everything is synced back and forth. So if we 
Uh, like change something in an issue inside of our project management. It's immediately like synced back into GitHub. Um, and then also we have these like lanes, like the, the Kanban board lanes basically, uh, where if I like drag something from one lane to the other, it's going to update in GitHub as well. So that really helps with like keeping sure that like making sure that everything is in sync. Um, and that's like the community also can see like what we're working on and all that. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Uh, from what you said, um, going through those 150 notifications and, uh, managing the whole, uh, conversation, uh, features, roadmap, everything, uh, it must be taking, you know, a lot of time. So how much, uh, time actually you spend on coding versus communication versus uh, management per daily basis? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I started out uh, at Forcell, like in like end of uh, 2017, uh, I was basically like the, the only engineer working on X. So I, I was mostly mm -hmm. coding all the time, but still keeping in touch with the community. Yeah. Community was a lot smaller than today. Like I would say like today it's like way, way more people. Um, so there's also way more notifications to, to look at and all that. Um, though, like when we start hiring, uh, more people into, uh, the next chess team, we, we basically decided that like I should switch to more so like a manager position. So like engineering management, uh, yeah. sort of. Um, so I, I basically like I code less today. Uh, I still do code, um, for like certain, like to prove things out and all that. Um, but, uh, like my team is the, are the people that mostly like implement the actual features and fix bugs and all that. Um, gotcha. cause that leaves a lot of time for me to like go in, talk to people that use next, uh, figure out their pain points, um, like figure out what we can improve. Uh, like in which sections of uh, the, the feature set the next has um, and all that basically. So I would say like today it's like probably like 20 or 30% coding. And then like the rest is figuring out all the um, like the community parts, uh, figuring out new, like what issues should be worked on, um, deciding on like long-term roadmap uh, and all that. Yeah. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Uh, thank you for this answer. Um, okay, let's let's switch back to the product for a, a little while. Um, I uh, saw you introduced the Next.js commerce modules quite recently. Can you tell us more about this and the plans for, for developing those commerce features? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so like I said, I have a strong background in e-commerce, uh, sites. So, so this is a really fun project to, to build out, uh, with the team. Um, so basically like we work together with BigCommerce and BigCommerce is, uh, one of the SaaS providers that, uh, provides yeah. e-commerce, uh, solutions. Um, and we built out this Nexus starter kit for creating e-commerce applications. So if you want to get started building an e-commerce application, you can get started really quickly with Next.js uh, and the like BigCommerce integration. So like next up for the, uh, for the e-commerce integration is basically like pro providing support for 
more uh, providers, basically, like more C- mm-hmm. like headless CMSs, headless e-commerce systems, all that. Um, and then also like just providing more features out of the box as well. Uh, as you probably know, like e-commerce is very like broad, like there's a lot of different features, like even though it might seem like relatively simple, like you have this like home page, category page, and then product page, and then like you're in the cart already. But then like there's all these other bits of the system, like uh, account management and all that, uh, that also have to exist in the front end somewhere in most cases. So this is definitely something that we're still working on. Like we're actively building out the, the e-commerce example and uh, the starter kit basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, like even today, like I'm really excited about how it looks currently, uh, but it can only get better still over time. Uh, similar to how Next itself also evolves over time. Gotcha. Gotcha. That sounds like a perfect fit uh, for all those who are working with React. It would be very helpful. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, we'll follow the project. Um, absolutely. Uh, okay. My next question is uh, actually related to this uh, big commerce cooperation you mentioned, like maybe not exactly to any particular uh, vendor or e-commerce uh, industry, but uh, it's about synergies. Uh, I mean, I guess that, you know, as Next.js, you got a lot of synergies with uh, many different open source projects, uh, platforms, services. What other projects you cooperate most with? Yeah, so um, we we work together with a bunch of other open source projects, um, some of which are used inside of Next.js and some are like, for research purposes or uh, like actual like collaboration on Nexus itself. Uh, so like mm-hmm. one example is we work together with the Google Chrome team, which have multiple people working on Nexus uh, to improve performance uh, for React applications. Yes, um, mm-hmm. And they also like work on like improving like bundle size, for example, uh, improving uh, like core web vitals, so core web vitals are these um, like new measurements basically that Google yeah. is going to use to rank uh, different pages uh, in their search engine. Um, so there's basically three core web vitals, uh, largest contentful paint, first contentful paint, and cumulative layout shift. Um, so first mm-hmm. contentful paint is really like how fast like users see something on the page when the page loads. Yeah. Largest contentful paint is like when the largest element in the viewport is rendered and then cumulative layout shift is basically, I always say like, it's, it's this thing that you've all seen before, which is you load a page, you scroll down and suddenly like the whole page is shifting all the way around. Cause like images load in, yeah. images don't have sizes. And then like you're reading something and suddenly the text is gone. Cause it's like shifted down to, to another place in the page. So they created this, uh, Web vital called cumulative layout shift to measure how much shifting is happening on a page when it loads. Uh, and this gotcha. can also be tracked inside of Google Chrome. So that's really useful. Um, and it basically allows you to figure out like, okay, like I load this page. Now everything is shifting around in ways that you didn't intend basically, or at least yeah. like it's not as good as it could be. 
So, um, yeah, so the core web titles are like these three things that are going to be used to, to index, uh, like pages basically like on like how good their performance is. Um, and then, then this is also like shown in Lighthouse and like other tools as well. Uh, we introduced Next.js analytics recently, which allows you to mm-hmm. track these core web titles and get a reading from actual end users. And, uh, then use that to improve the scores that you, you had before, basically. So like, if you want to improve largest contentful paint, you can keep tracking it for, uh, for a week or so, uh, inside yeah. Nexus Analytics or like even longer. And then you can say like, okay, like largest contentful paint is really low. Let's try to improve that for like these pages that, uh, are really critical for like, like, for example, in e-commerce, like, if the large contentful paint is really high, like you're losing out on conversions basically, because people are not going to scroll before a large contentful gotcha. paint and all that. Yeah. Um, so it really helps with improving performance. Um, and then like the Nexus analytics can be used inside of like any, um, Nexus application, not even like if you're hosting only on Tracel, for example. Um, so yeah, that really helps there. And then. Uh, in terms of collaboration, like the Google Chrome team introduced like multiple really like, uh, like massively improving user experience, uh, features over the, the last year. Um, so one of them is improving bundle size. So they created a new split chains mm-hmm. configuration for Webpack that improves the size, like the distribution of modules between different bundles in a, a very a tremendously good way. Uh, like we're, we've been seeing reductions from 20 to 70% in JavaScript bundle size. Oh. Um, and yeah. that's just like because there were duplicated modules between different, uh, between different files basically, uh, that could have been like split out. Uh, this is also like, this is not just influenced next, but it also has influenced other frameworks that adopted the same approach. Um, and also it's now a default in Webpack 5. So yeah, there's some really like big impact to this collaboration. And then besides that, we, we also work with the Webpack team. So with Tobias, the, the creator of Webpack, um, to improve like basically like React applications being built using Webpack. Um, so we, we have collaboration there. And then also we, we work with the, the battle team. Um, we collaborate with the, the React team at Facebook, um, to, to ensure that like Nexus is ready for like all the new, uh, things that they're introducing, like concurrent mode, um, mm-hmm. and suspense and all that. Um, and then like also we collaborate with a lot of Nexus users as well. So like from the other side, uh, like we collaborate with HashiCorp, for example, which are really large Next.js yep. users. Um, and a bunch of other like companies that give us like really good feedback on how they use Next.js, what they'd like to see inside of the framework and all that. Um, it's so, like one example of, uh, of this is like we, we talk with a lot of companies that are international, uh, especially in Europe where like you have multiple languages, multiple, uh, locales yep. basically. And, uh, basically like pretty much every company from like in Europe that is like planning to go from like the country that they're in to the rest of Europe wants to do internationalization in some way. 
So we worked with all of these companies that reached out and basically introduced this system for internationalizing your uh, application. So it's basically like preparing everything to be translated uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. So we introduced this internationalized routing support that yep. allows you to set up routing for uh, different languages, uh, different locales, gotcha. basically. Like It's not even just yep. languages, it's also locales. Um, and uh, that can now be used inside of Next.js 10 to, uh, like to, to basically start setting up internationalization in your project. So you can still use the like proven out React uh, internationalization libraries, so React NTL or mm-hmm. React INT Next, um, or like any other library that that does uh, translating of routes. And then you can use the internationalized routing to really set up the routing part of uh, internationalization, basically. Gotcha. Makes perfect sense. Um, actually, there is uh, quite a lot of similar frameworks now. Uh, one of the most interesting ones is Nuxt.js, which is kind of next, but for Vue. Uh, I'm wondering if you cooperate with those forks uh, uh, too. Uh, we, we we knew them well as Vue storefront team. Um, great great guys to col- collaborate. Uh, how you how you work with with them if if you do, and how you position uh, next versus Nuxt or Nuxt versus next, or how you see it. Yeah, so they uh, started Nux slightly after Nux was released, I believe, because um, they, like, Sebastian uh, was basically building out, like, applications using Vue instead of React, but they, they saw Nux and they yeah. thought, like, okay, this makes a lot of sense, but we want to use Vue instead. Uh, so they built Vue uh, to, to basically, like... Um, like do this uh, like whole like Next.js type approach, but for a few applications, uh, and it's really good. Yeah. Like they they build out the the few framework or the the Next framework um, very well. Um, it it's not really the same thing anymore. Like it's not just like okay, I'm going to take a Next application, I'm going to throw it into this yeah. Next thing. I'm going to to then change all the React components to few components components, and it works. Um, so there's like quite a few like nuances there, um, but they, they've been doing super interesting work. Uh, and we also like, uh, obviously like from the Vercel side of things, we also support Nux deployment. So you can deploy your Nuxjs application to Vercel as well. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely yeah. in touch with them. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, good things to come for Vercel and Nuxt as well. So, uh, yeah, super excited about it. Gotcha. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Uh, what other open source projects you follow? Really good question. Um, I always tend to uh, keep an eye on like all the different things being developed inside of the, the JavaScript ecosystem. Uh, there's definitely like a lot of really interesting developments happening currently. Um, so there's uh, like newer projects like uh, Snowpack. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. That's uh, like a new type of bundler no. that they basically yeah. call an like unbundler because it doesn't really bundle code uh, immediately. It, it just mm-hmm. bundles it when you request a certain uh, oh, JavaScript file, basically. Um, and it works all on ES modules, basically. So it it tries to optimize for the case where you're using ES modules. And that's built on top of like Rollup and 
uh, East Build. Uh, so East Build is another uh, project that's really interesting currently. Um, it's basically a bundler, uh, sort of, at least like it's a compiler for JavaScript that allows you to, it's written in Go, and it's very fast, like it's significantly faster than any of the other tools that are currently out there. Um, and it's mm-hmm. currently being approached as like, it, it would allow for like replacing, for example, Babel, um, and, uh, like yeah. even bundlers like Webpack, for example, um, if it's like approached in a certain way. Um, and it's just really, really, really fast. So relatively to, to like other JavaScript bundlers, it's like architected in a way that it's like makes parsing really fast, uh, to do and then also like the transformations that run on it. Um, so we're definitely keeping an eye out on that. Um, it's definitely like an interesting space to watch currently. Cause like, even if like ES build, for example, can't be used for full projects, it could also be used as a minifier, for example. Like yeah. say you replace the JavaScript minifier that's currently there, uh, Terser, with ES build, uh, and it would give the same output. So like there, there would be no loss in like compression and all that. Um, it would definitely make a lot of sense to, to implement it for, for that specific case. Cause, um, like currently the minification step is quite long generally. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see developments there. Um, there's definitely always like being the JavaScript ecosystem, there's always something new that is coming up. So, uh, we're always like looking at like what is, like being developed, uh, what are people working on and all that. Um, like currently, for example, the, the Swelt team, uh, which is this other framework, if you never heard of it, uh, to do like yeah. s- sort of like React and Vue, um, to, to build out components and then like, uh, composing them and all that. Um, they're working on this new thing called Swelt Kit, which, uh, looks very interesting as well. Um, it, it takes a lot of the IDs from Next, for example. Um, it takes a lot of the IDs from Sepper, which is like, basically like the, the Next type, uh, Next Next type approach for, uh, building Svelte apps. Um, but they basically said like, okay, we're going to build out this thing that is not really like Sepper. Uh, so like we're going to deprecate Sepper and then build out this new framework to, to build Svelte apps called Svelte Kit. Uh, which is super interesting as well. Uh, definitely keeping an eye out on that as well. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, some of the, the things that I've been watching. Um, and there's definitely more like super interesting developments happening as well. Um, even like inside the Nexus ecosystem, there's like people building out different, uh, like frameworks on top of Next, for example, like, uh, Blitz yeah. and Bison. And, uh, those basically like take Nexus. And I basically built another wrapper on top of it with certain like, uh, approaches for like, okay, I'm like, I, you're going to use this certain database or you're going to use this certain API. Um, and then like they, yeah. they build on top of like, they basically built new standards on top of Next itself. So that's really interesting to see as well. Um, so yeah, that basically like they take Next as the foundation of this other framework that they're building. Super interesting. I already 
follow those projects in the meantime on, on GitHub. <laughs> so thanks for for new things to to watch. Uh, we are we are heading towards end of our discussion. So uh, maybe just two more questions. Uh, what's the next big big thing in the front end development? Yeah, so what we've seen so far this year is that the hybrid approach for building applications is really going to resonate very well also in 2021. Um, yeah. we're, we're seeing people build out like increasingly hybrid applications. So like most of the Nexus applications that you see today either already use static generation in some way, uh, either for completely static pages or using get static props. Uh, and we're seeing more and more of those pop up, but they still use source and rendering as well. So it's really about yep. like, uh, the developer getting to choose which trade off they want to make for these different hybrid, uh, like approaches basically. And then mm -hmm. also what we're going to see is probably like more improvements on the developer experience, uh, part of it. So this year we introduced, uh, React Fast Refresh, which um, it's basically a way to keep state when you're editing React components in a very reliable way. And it also keeps state across like errors you're making, for example. Like if you make a typo in your application, it's going to crash during compilation, but then like you don't have to worry about, okay, now I'm losing my state inside of the application, like the, the tab that you had open, for example. Cause if you fix yeah. the error, it's going to preserve that state like back into your application basically. So it, it pushes the state mm -hmm. back uh when you fix the error. Um so that makes you really like more productive because there's no um like you, you don't lose the time on having to like figure out which state you were in at the time. Uh, and this came out of Facebook by the way, like the, the Facebook uh React team built out this uh, React Fast refresh support, uh, but it didn't really exist in open source yet. Uh, like it had been implemented in a, a package, but that package still had to be um, built into like having support for different bundlers, like a Webpack, for example. So we basically spent a lot of time on making sure that like Webpack supported Fast Refresh, for example, uh, like making sure that it, it basically knows about all the updates happening in Webpack. Um, and for that, for example, we, we worked with uh, Tobias, the, the creator of Webpack. Um, and that really, like, should, like, okay, if we all work together, like, it's going to give an amazing outcome there. Um, and now this has also been, like, copied into other frameworks, uh, like, even other... Uh, developer tools. Um, yeah. We introduced a new error overlay that allows for resolving uh, errors to their original line of code. So what this means is you make a typo, it's going to immediately show you the line where the error happened. And then if you click on that line, it's going to open your editor as well uh, on that specific line. So there's just a lot of like smaller things that might seem minor, but they're actually like really helping you be more productive. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, looking towards like the future, there's only going to be more and more of these developer experience uh, improvements inside of Next.js. So that there won't be a, one single big thing, but rather uh, a set of uh, 
incremental improvements. Makes perfect sense. Um, the last question: What are the most over and under hyped technology trends right now? Very good question. Um, I I don't know about overhyped. Probably also not underhyped. There's like I feel like we're in in a good spot right now. Like there's a lot of different frameworks being built. Uh, you have a lot to choose as a developer currently. So you can choose for like I'm going to build React applications. I'm going to build Vue applications. Um, you you can build applications in different ways. Also deploy them in different ways uh, currently. So yeah. We're going to see increasingly serverless application frameworks as well. Um, so like, like how Next.js allows you to create serverless functions from, uh, the build output, for example. Um, like there's going to be more and more frameworks adopting this approach, uh, as it turns out to be really scalable for, uh, for different, like front end applications, for example, that do service at rendering. Uh, but also for static generation, all that. Um, so really like what we're going to see is a lot of improvement on the things that are already there or that are being, yeah. uh, like currently developed into something, uh, like that could be really interesting. Like ES build, for example, uh, it's like really still like early stages, uh, being used in production in some cases, but not like massively by, like a lot of companies at the same time. Um, and I'm, I'm personally really excited for all of these different technologies to, to be succeeding. Um, cause the, from the development space is super large. Um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing like this trend of like built, like frameworks that are built with a lot of opinions out of the box. Uh, but all of these opinions make the developer more productive in like various ways. Makes perfect sense. Thank you. Um, that that's it. That's that's all my questions. Uh, thank you, team, for uh, spending time on preparing to this interview and recording. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Awesome, guys. If you have any questions, feel free to comment, uh, add some reviews on Apple Podcasts and other platforms as well. Uh, we're going to try to answer all your questions. Thank you once again. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the CTO to CTO podcast. If you enjoyed this show and if you found this episode useful and informative in any way, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This can help us tremendously in reaching other listeners who might also be interested in these topics. And of course, as always, we'll be back with great content next week.